Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's the Sal Sports and Stuff podcast, episode number 21, I guess, because we've actually thrown a whole bunch of stuff on the Sal Sports and Stuff podcast over the last couple of days with me being on WGR for five straight hours on Friday. And on Monday, we put every one of those hours and interviews separately into the Sal Sports and Stuff podcast podcast page, um, on-demand audio at WGR550.com. That's where you can find it in the Sal Sports and Stuff podcast page. Not true podcasts like I normally give you, like I'm about to right now, but Nonetheless, you can still find it there. I'm still going to hold true that this is number 21 just for my own sanity on how to keep track of these things, all right? And I got something really special for you today to take you a little bit back. Now, some of you are going to be like, what? I don't know anything about that. What are you talking about? And some of you are going to be, oh my gosh, like, yeah, I totally remember this, and I was even a part of it. If you remember maybe just a little over 10 years ago, let's go back to maybe 2007, 2008, somewhere in that area, uh, the Sabres games that were on TV, a lot of you would get together and watch them via an online community and a chat box. And the person who made that possible was a friend of mine from high school who I didn't even know he was doing it when he was first doing it. And then it evolved into not only him doing that, but them him casting me on my podcast, which became a video cast on Justin TV and Ustream back in the infancy days of Sal Capaccio being in mom's basement when a lot of you would make fun of me. And little did you know that there was an end to the means here, which now we're here doing this kind of podcasting stuff, right? I mean, years later, who would have thought podcasting back then? Ha ha mom's basement. Who does this stuff? Now everybody's doing it and you need to do it. But anyway, if you remember back then it was BSN 360 and my friend, Sean, him and I, we grew up together in high school. I didn't even know he was doing this. And then he, I found out through just talking to him, he had created this online community and a lot of you would go there and people would go there and watch games and talk in the chat box. And it was really more about talking in the chat box and experiencing that than it was about watching the games, but it was pretty cool. And then from there it evolved to, Hey, I'm in radio and I'm starting this podcasting stuff. He said, I can video cast you. He did that uh, right around the time, the TO note, the Terrell Owens to the bills, story that I broke. And then later on, there was a Bill Cower being interested or the Bills being interested in Bill Cower's story that I went on the air with that was all video casted because I was doing this weekly video cast from my own home in Florida while he was in Carolina 
and he was casting me through his own computer. It was very weird how it was being done, but we made it work, and it was amazing. And I caught up with Sean, who's still a friend of mine to this day. We've known each other for a very long time. And I said, hey, let's talk about that community, what it was like, why you built it back in the day. And we just shared some stories going back into our infancy of doing the video casting and the podcasting and the BSN 360 community. So I reached out to him, said, come on, the podcast here, South Sports and Stuff. He agreed. And that's what we're going to do today. So I bring in my friend, Sean, otherwise known to you as BSN 360. All right, Sean. Well, uh, thanks for doing this. I don't know if I should refer to you as Sean or BSN 360. Uh, We go back a long way. Some people might not know your real name, but it's good to maybe talk to you now in the flesh and blood after so many people may have just only known you as maybe a virtual robot or something like that for a long time. Well, there's definitely a lot of people that know me as both now. I've, I've actually met some people from the BSN 360 community. Uh, in real life, I actually have some friends that I maintain uh, contact with. So Sean is good, and certainly that's how you and I know each other for a while. Absolutely. We'll get into that because, um, you know, our relationship goes way back even before the BSN 360 days, and I want to talk about that in that community, obviously. But, you know, you and I have known each other probably since, what, 6th, 7th grade, right? I think somewhere in middle school, uh, maybe even before that. But, uh, you know, we go back to high school and used to go to Bill's games. We went to playoff games together, went to, I remember, uh, the 1990 season, the back-to-back night games where they had those comebacks. We went to one of those games. And I always tell people the funny story is, One of those games, the Raiders game, was on Sunday Night Football. And after the game, it was on TNT. And we saw the set, the TNT set outside at that time, you know, Ralph Wilson Stadium and Rich Stadium, I should say. And I wanted to be on TV but I had to get elevated. So you put me on your shoulders and I was on TV literally like saying hello to people behind the talent on their set. And then the next day we go to school at Cleve Hill and teachers are like, dude, I saw you on TV last night after the game. (laughs) You know, that, that happened because of, uh, two things. When I was very young, I used to like, my brother would just try to impress his friends. I I had just a lot of strength in my legs. So I used to put my brother on my shoulders all the time, Mm -hmm. but then it was kind of amusing. You happen to be pretty, pretty easy to lift up (laughs) as well in college or high school. So it was kind of funny that, that, that worked out just hoisted you up. And, and I do recall that vividly. We had to get you up pretty high to get on the, we did on the screen there. I know I, uh, it was pretty amazing and I'm glad I didn't do anything stupid. I wasn't inappropriate on the set or anything like that. Uh, (laughs) but people told me for weeks, like, Hey, I saw you on TV. It was kind of like, the first time I'd been on like that kind of platform for television, which who knew what it would turn into these days in life for sure. Um, you know, as with lots of people, you know, we go through high school together. Uh, we're very close. We're very good friends. I'm still good friends with your family. And, you know, then you don't have contact for a while. You stay in contact. Social media occurs, whether that's through texting on phone or some sort of social media, you keep in contact that way. But, you know, for me, if I remember this right, um, I had no idea you were doing what you were doing, which is, you know, casting and streaming old Sabres games. And then I happened to call you one day to tell you what I was doing with some podcasting, which I had gotten into. And then you told me what you were doing and we kind of married the two. So it really became quite interesting how all that came about, even though we knew each other and we didn't know what each other was doing in that regard. Yeah, that at that time, it was I had kind of gotten into my my wheelhouse. I I had established a a bit of a rogue community on a website called JTV or Justin TV, which is now Twitch, I believe. And we had kind of established 
I mean, back then it was the Wild West. So mm-hmm. anybody who could find a broadcast of a hockey game would generally try to mingle together in that area. And JTV had a chat. So if you take the ability to throw on a hockey game on a website and give the ability to chat about that game, that really hadn't existed at that time. So what I was behind was bringing together people that were uh, displaced Buffalonians all across the, the country that were looking for these streams where they could watch the game. And it had evolved really quite substantially by the time you had found out about us because we, we were doing right. some pretty fun things. You were. Why did you start it? How, how did all that come about? I originally got interested in the the audio visual things that other people were doing. I was fascinated by a guy who was in Middletown, New York, actually, who was broadcasting karaoke from a bar. And the audio quality was CD quality, and the video quality was fantastic. And I'm saying to myself, how on earth can this guy be broadcasting CD quality audio and everybody can watch it and participate in a chat? It was just, it was great. I mean, if you almost fast forward to now, the coronavirus thing, this was virtual right. karaoke before we had anything to, to worry about with the virus and all that. But I was fascinated by it. And there was such a cool community of people that were doing things such as uh, broadcasting uh, with a webcam and a nice microphone set up with, with music from their own bedrooms. And the community was was nice. They would help. And if you had any questions, they would tell you what software to use. So at that time, it's Flash Media Encoder. Once you figure out how to use that, then you can get this high-quality audio broadcast. And then the video thing came into play. And long story short, I happened to see, I recall this vividly, a Calgary Flames game. It was just on JTV with the game and chat. And there was about 10,000 people watching. And I said, I need to do that for the Buffalo Sabres. Wow, that's amazing. And I remember, when did Ustream come about? Was that before or after JTV? I think Ustream came along after JTV, but it was definitely in the mix because there was people that would try to do broadcasts of, of games on Ustream, but it seemed like they were a little bit ahead of their time in, in making sure that that content was removed. And did you, like, were you the only person doing it? You said that some people tried, but, like, did you have competition or were you kind of, from what I remember, like, you were the only person that was doing something like this. Anybody who talked to me about it would say, oh, I go and watch these games. I'm like, yeah, I know that guy who's doing that kind of stuff. Well, there was a lot of people that were broadcasting however they did it. And there's multiple ways I won't get into, but mm-hmm. you could broadcast. You Basically, you want to get the video screen on and then share that. And the chat would just accompany it. And there were people that were doing mostly Canadian teams that I was aware of. Uh, Calgary Flames, you know, come to mind again because they had the most viewers. Uh, but... If you want to fast forward just slightly, this isn't exactly the question that you asked, but what I started doing was marrying my knowledge of audio mm-hmm. and also the video of the coverage of the game. And I was the first of a kind that was using a condenser microphone, which sounds you know like you sound on air, and have the game so that I could even do commentary if need be. And I didn't in the beginning. It was just basically the audio of the game, Generate, or whomever was, was broadcasting. And the chat would be there. But there was nobody who was doing music. For example, I used to throw music tracks in there during commercials and things like that. Nobody was doing that at at that time. So our community really was, I believe, the first that I've ever seen and I was aware of. 
Sean, this had to be like a decade ago when you were doing all this stuff, because if I remember things that happened around that time, 2009, 2010, you had to be streaming games around seven, eight. So, I mean, like the Sabres were right in the middle of their run, 06, 07. In fact, you're the person, I remember this, good story. So, Jan and I got married in 03. She's from Germany. We go to Europe in 06, and I'm on a flight. I'm missing the Sabres-Hurricanes game six, the overtime game. You called my cell phone and left me a message to let me know what happened and how the Sabres won in overtime in game six. I literally got off the flight. I had to call my cell phone and get the message that you left for my voicemail, basically, however it works. I was in Europe, and you're the one that told me. So it had to be right around that time. Yeah, I think. I think it was the year after the Carolina, okay, uh, the cup attempt run. So six oh seven. What, what you made? What kind of jogged my memory there was? I don't, I don't know if NHL. dot com was streaming at this time. I think this is even before sports were doing their own mm-hmm. branded streaming online, and people were figuring out a way to do it. In fact. To this day, you can't go on NFL or NHL and have an accompanying chat, no. to my knowledge. Hmm. So it sort of misses that that whole community aspect that we were really proud of. Do you um do you remember any specific people that were like main chatters that would come in all the time that you became online, you know, friends with basically who you really enjoyed every game having in there or talking with? Well, tons of them. I mean, I wouldn't get into mm-hmm. to names as uh, specifically because I wouldn't want to leave anyone out, but there was an extraordinary number of people. I mean, 20, 30 people that were the regulars and they had this really cool future where you could, uh, moderate people in the chat. So they were all moderators and they were the regulars and people recognized them and they were somewhat of an authority. If, if, uh, now we didn't ban anybody. I mean, I don't, I don't want to digress here, but not only were we probably the first in uh, broadcasting games and having chat, but I think, I might have been one of the earliest online trolls <laughs> because <laughs> once I had once I had the bully pulpit and a microphone to talk to um, people, it would kind of catch some opposing fans off guard because they would come into this public arena, if you will, where they could chat and watch the game. There'd inevitably be some knock against the city of Buffalo or the or the people in the room, and then they didn't know, but they would find out real quick. I could get on the microphone and. Uh, talk to them specifically and, you know, before I would ban them from the chat, just kind of engage them a little bit and then, and then let them go. And that kind of evolved, you know, conversation for, for another time. But we used to have a lot of fun with that, the microphone aspect, because I, as the broadcaster, I could talk to whomever and kind of gain control. If there were some fans that came from the opposing team watching and they got unruly, we could just let them go. Or what about just, what about if it's not just fans, just people who just came aboard just to start trouble? Like, did you have a lot of that? You know, right now, like, for example, I, on Twitter, I have people I have to mute or block because they just, you know, they say stupid things to me and I'm like, I'm not going to deal with it. Um, Did that happen? Yeah, absolutely. And that was ahead of its time too. We, you know, I personally, if I didn't have my own personal fun doing it, I wouldn't have done it. Now the community was really probably the the most important thing to me because it meant a lot to me to be able to offer an opportunity for everybody to get together. And we talked about this thing, this community a lot, and I'm very proud of it because it brought people together. It had nothing to do with me, but in order to enjoy it myself, I had to have fun with that aspect of when people came in that were trying to be funny and they weren't funny. 
I could just get on my microphone and say, Hey, like, dude, you're not funny. You know, just say something funny. At least like, you're just, you're just kind of acting like a fool. And if they didn't correct their behavior, we could just, you know, get rid of them, mm-hmm. just, just ban them, mute them. And, and we didn't hear from them. So I had my fun kind of behind the scenes. It wasn't something that I talked about, but together as a community, if we saw someone behaving poorly, we had ways that we could basically shame them. And it would, in, in that public shame, it would tell everybody else in the chat, you better behave. And if you're not here to watch the Sabres, at least be respectful. We'll be respectful to you. And it really became something, I don't know, extraordinary in that regard. Cause it was, it was tame and it was fun, but we didn't, we didn't keep it so sterile that there wasn't some good jawing back and forth, you know, via the, the chat window. No. And you said something interesting. The community was the, the thing. I mean, yeah, you did the games, but honestly, Sean, like I think, Lots of people just came to talk to people. They didn't even care what was going on in the game. Like suddenly, like, oh, hey, Saber scored. Awesome. Like you just happened to see it because you're actually more engaged in the chat than you are watching the game. And that was really what it was all about. Yeah. And you you kind of jog my memory. One one girl, Jenny, comes to mind. She was in Ireland. She was Irish from Ireland. who was a Sabres fan. And, and actually, during that time period, she came. She did a, a trip, took a trip from Ireland to Buffalo because the Sabres were her team. And I had evolved at that point to have interviews with people just like her. And she would come on during an intermission and explain, well, how did she become a Sabres fan? And what was this trip going to be like? And, and, you know, was her husband a Sabres fan? And, you know, how it all evolved. And I could basically have interviews with anybody that I wanted to and use the intermission periods to not only broadcast, you know, what the content was from the locals, uh, games but if it was a stream let's say from our opposing uh tv studios and we didn't want to listen to the the intermission then we would interject some pre-recorded material which i guess at that point was a podcast yeah i look hey you interviewed me a couple times if i remember right and absolutely you know um i remember being a part of that what about did you ever get i don't think i've ever asked you this question do you ever get any blowback? Like teams, leagues, anything ever happen? You ever get in a sticky situation? Well, when I when I refer to it as the wild, wild west, it really was the wild, wild west. Because now we are all familiar with, or, or at least most people are familiar, familiar with the DCMA uh, statutes and all that, the digital copyright mm-hmm. uh, laws. This is before that. The, the people that were doing things like I was were the reason for for that i mean largely it was for the the music industry and with the advent of itunes and uh you know this is long before spotify and things like that but in order to protect their content they started to evolve quite rapidly the ability to get rid of anybody that was broadcasting things that they should not be but personally aside from a little bit of uh i wouldn't say like they were credible threats but you always had the parent company like Justin TV, the owners of that group would reach out to you and basically say, Hey, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. So stop it. And, and JTV was really, really just, just wild at that time. They, they didn't even understand what kind of rules that they had to <laughs> right. to prevent before people were doing. It. And let's be honest. They probably like, they may have to tell you that, but they actually love people coming to their site. So they're getting the numbers. So as much as they're telling you, yeah, you can't do that. It might be like, we really are supposed to tell you not to do it, but we don't mind because you're giving us lots of traffic. Yeah. I can tell you for a fact that without throwing anybody under the bus and it's, it's changed ownership now, but there were 
there were important people that contacted me on the positive end that would sort of whisper, hey, you didn't hear this from me, but we like what you're doing. Uh, but we got to do what we have to do on our side too. Yep. So let's let's just work together. And if if something happens to your channel, you just have to maybe make another one, you know. <laughs> and that became something again as we evolved. We we had to jump around from place to place to kind of stay ahead of the law. I mean, it's the same thing now. Like you said, like Twitter. If somebody gets banned, they basically start another account. Basically, I found that like all of a sudden, like, hey, I got banned. Follow me over here now. It's really the same thing. It's just evolved in a totally different manner now. Yeah, and I think. Uh, to be honest, there's 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 a lot of parallels. Like if I were someone uh, like yourself on Twitter, if I could just sort of like implant my brain from back in the day, I would be able to arm you with a lot of things because before social media was social media, we were seeing behavior that is just absolutely not only predictable, it's the same exact behavior. Mm-hmm back then on that format that you see on all of social media, Twitter, especially like, again, you know, you get rid of someone on Twitter, they're going to find another way to get on. And there's people that are just motivated by this trolling behavior. And when I first heard about trolling, for example, I thought that that was such a, you know, a bad, horrible thing. Who would do this? Why would they want to do it? But if you understand the true nature of what trolling is to a lot of people, they, the benefit is, if you are not armed, so if you're the if you're the talent and you are not armed to understand what they're doing, then they will make fun of you. That's how they win. But if you are armed and you know what they're doing, mm-hmm. then they leave you alone. It's yeah. kind of like, all right, I know you're you know, I get it. All right. Aha. And then you move on. But if it's people that don't know that they're trolling you, that's when they laugh at you. <laughs> That's their goal. No, I totally get it. And um, that's a totally dis- that's a different discussion for another day that I could really get into about how I've had to evolve and, you know, dealing with people like that and, you know, my job now and what I can and can't do and what's professional or not professional and personal, what affects me, what doesn't affect me. It is totally different um, now than it was when I first started. But at the same time, you go back to those days, that was just new for everybody. We didn't know. Like, what is this person? How are they doing this? I can imagine some of the stress that you must have kind of had dealing with some of these people, not understanding who they are, where they're coming from. Do they know who you are? Do they really not know who you are personally? All that kind of stuff. You want to know the the one thing I do not regret, and it's I'm smiling here now, but <laughs> my, my life was hell for about two years when I said something. Uh-oh. And I'll stand by it today. There are no bigger bandwagon fans than the Chicago Blackhawks fans. <laughs> and after I said that... I was, I, I, Sal, nobody ever heard of doxing. I was doxed. Someone found out my home address. Someone found out personal information about me. And I tried to remain as anonymous as possible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that scared the bejesus out of me. Wow. And it was around that time too, where things were starting to finally die down, at Mm -hmm. least in that chapter. And that was all because I maybe appropriately said that the Chicago Blackhawks fans were bandwagon. Because some and fans it, got mad at you. Yes. And there were definitely, it wasn't all roses. There was definitely some people that would want to affect bodily harm on me for saying such things. 
Uh, BSN 360, he's my guest here on the South Sports and Stuff podcast. We go way back, but uh, a lot of you were around maybe 10, 12 years ago watching some you know, Sabres games through an online community via chat. Uh, he was the one that you know really put that together, and I know a lot of you remember that. So we're chatting about those days and how everything evolved. And, you know, I'm the guy that was down in mom's basement at that time. You know, I was in a I was in a little room. Um, I shouldn't say a little room. It was a bedroom, but we had an extra bedroom in the house, my wife and I, and I converted that into a uh, studio, if you will, and didn't really have much as far as, you know, the technological aspects and we were putting things together and microphones and things like that. But what happened for me was I was podcasting. I was on one of the very first ever podcast networks called MySportsRadio.com, and it was a guy named Sam Kooten who started it. And Sam put this whole network together like you see now with all of these, like whether it's locked on teams, locked on bills, locked on Browns, whatever, or something bills wire Rams wire. They had this podcast network and Sam did this. So I did a podcast and I called it the Buffalo Stampede. And I also then that evolved into one called NFL now with a guy named Johnny James, who um, passed away several years ago. And Johnny Vaughn, I think he went by after a while. I did one called Buffalo bills. Now, anyway, I find out you're doing this, you find out I'm doing what I'm doing, and we marry the two. And you're like, I can cast you and you can make a video stream of what you're doing. So my podcast kind of becomes a video cast because you said, hey, I can do this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And that's how I became the guy in mom's basement that when you turned on, I'm talking about the bills on Justin TV or Ustream. Yes. And that, you know, I shudder with fear just thinking back to all of the loose ends and all of the things that I had to tie together as a producer to try to match the production level of your content. I mean, you are in the place that you're in now because of your level of content is unmatched in Buffalo, in my opinion, and a lot of opinions of people out there. My video abilities and my capabilities to produce this video podcast the software was just so far lagging behind your talent that I, I just had sleepless nights trying to figure out how can I just get him on and make this thing perfect and then try to integrate on the fly graphics and things like that and not make mistakes. And um, it wasn't perfect, but I do. I mean, I looking back, you were the first video podcast that, that I know of at that time. And I think I certainly would have known about it. And then we had the chat box going as well during that time. Like we, yes. what you took from doing the games, you brought over to the video cast, right? So we had the chat box and that's how I got to know a lot of people. And to this day, Sean, now look, I have 91,000 Twitter followers. I mean, I'm not telling you that just to you know puff my chest out. It's amazing. I'm so proud of that. Um, but I will tell you out of the people that follow me, I get all the time to this day still in 2020, I get people who say, I followed you and chatted with you in your video casting days down in your mom's basement in Florida, which blows me away that people remember that stuff. Yeah. And the, the evolution is again, I'm, I'm, I'm not on air talent. I don't have the ability to talk about the team with any detail, much less to the extent that you do, but I do have the producer's ear and the producer's eye at least for the online world and back at that time uh, specifically. And I just remember the evolution being so much fun. Again, just trying on my end to do whatever I could to make it truly a unique experience. And I think we had evolved at the end 
to not only have a video podcast live, but also we were integrating live phone calls from people that wanted to call in. Also, you'd have a beat reporter from Cincinnati or whomever call in and be a guest on the show. All that being produced through Charlotte, North Carolina. You're in Florida. And I believe at the peak when you moved on to Bigger and Better Things, we were well over a half a million views. Dude, it's amazing, and I didn't even tell people Actually, you were doing yeah, half, all this. Half a million views. Yeah, you were in you were in Carolina when you were doing all this. I didn't even mention that to anybody yet. You weren't in Buffalo doing any of this. You were in Carolina, which was even more amazing. That all these Bills fans were coming aboard, and Sabres fans to these shows and these games and things like that from all over the world, from all over the world to watch to watch you and a reasonably well produced production value video podcast. It was pretty remarkable. So in two thousand nine. I get a tip that the Bills are going to sign Terrell Owens. I break the story. That really put me on the national scene, obviously, right? I mean, that's how people really started following me, remember me. A lot of people, some don't even know they're maybe learning this for the first time, but I'm not telling you the story because of that, but that's kind of what elevated me to be recognized by a lot of people in Buffalo. Well, shortly after that, the the following season, I also find out that the Bills, they had just fired Dick Duran. I I find out that they are... Um, possibly going to hire Bill Cowher. They've been talking with Bill Cowher and I got this news and I'm like, boy, I, I got this news. And you said to me, well, why don't you do the video cast and you can kind of tease people and let people know and we'll throw it out there. It was the most watched one in, that I'd ever remember that I'm about to give this news. I did not tell anybody what it was. I'm like, I got this breaking news and everybody's like, this is the guy that broke T.O. He's got something big. And I didn't say what it was. And I'm about to go on this this video cast with you, you're producing, and I just see, and there's just loaded up people. I mean, people are loaded up coming to, what is this big news? And I'm about to tell everybody that the Bills have been talking to Bill Cowher back in 2010 about possibly being the next head coach. And just as I get to do that, the whole system crashes, and I can't even get the news out to anybody, and everybody's like, oh my God, what happened? I mean, literally, just as I was about to say this news that they had been talking to Bill Cowher, which they were, and they never hired him, obviously, Cower led them to Chan Gailey because uh, Cower knew Gailey, and Cower did not want to get back into coaching. Uh, his wife at the time had been had been ill; she wanted passing away a couple years later. But the story was that that happened. Anyway, I remember that, and it always sticks with me about how oh my gosh, we had this huge crash on the biggest night when we were going to do something like this. Yeah, and I it just it literally makes me ill to this day. I mean, I I know the level of commitment that you had to your craft. Um, from as early as I knew you, all of us knew that you would inevitably be in the place that you're in now. So having that pressure of, again, wanting to match the production value to the <laughs> level of your content and, you know, let's, let's be candid too. your content was ahead of its time as well. I mean, you're certainly, you know, you're, you're in a great place now. You're where you want to be. You're doing amazing things. And back then you were doing the same amazing things. And I just remember my heart sinking anytime that we had issues. And on that day in particular, I just remember the views. We could see the live view counts and it was just I remember blowing up. It was incredible. And everybody's like, oh, that's what I get for being in mom's basement. But luckily I'd already broken the TO news. So people knew that, you know, I wasn't some fraud or anything. And uh, you know, they came by. But I do remember what happened though. The the ultimate thing that happened there was you were still able to chat in the community. I could not get on board. And you told people the news for me, I believe. And you said, Sal says this, Sal says that. So here's this news we get out there. They ultimately don't hire Bill Cowher. Some people said I was a fraud anyway for saying that, but either way, it doesn't matter. I remember all of that. Um, 
How did it all deteriorate, Sean? Did it is it because of you? Did you say I don't want to do this anymore, or was it just because it just became so much saturated? Did the the leagues and the teams and the technology advancement make it more like, hey, people just aren't coming here anymore, or did life just get in the way? Yeah, if well, it's definitely a commitment, especially if you think of a hockey season. And I had evolved to start incorporating. Uh, NFL games as well. And the time commitment is, is a lot, but I wouldn't say that that was the factor that caused me to slow down. It was probably, I mean, if you think about YouTube now, you know, how YouTube has the ability to just remove content at any time. Mm -hmm. The software, the automated software was evolving to such a degree that they had, like uh, software that could recognize a hidden uh, bleep or something like that in the in the in the software, and it would catch the casts. So you couldn't do it; you would literally be shut down the moment that you started. So what inevitably caused the demise was, again, not not the the level of time commitment at all. It was just the fact that they they really got on their game and they were preventing any sort of thing like it right. from happening. And I thought. I thought that they might actually evolve to have content where you could have video and a chat because I thought that that was something valuable, but it never came to be. And it was sort of disappointing, but uh, I did continue to do some things in a very private way with uh, passworded, protected uh, third party sites Mm -hmm. and things like that. And that became fun, too. You know, we had ways of integrating the shout song and things, but that, that was really for a, a very intimate group of people. And that, that went on for some time after that. What about, um, it wasn't just the games and things like that. I do remember you got even, uh, doing some entertaining, like you would play some songs like at night, you just have a place where people could go and hang out. You would play some songs like a DJ and chat with people. And, you know, it's kind of like you and your own little online radio thing. And I remember that being a part of what you were doing. Yeah. What, what, what really had like the picture that has to be drawn for people to understand is, you know, I had also moved away from Buffalo. So mm-hmm. my my friends and, and family were all still, you know, my family in the, in the same zip code, basically. And when you're in a new place and I moved around chasing, you know, a job that uh, that I was in love with. And that moved me around from location to location. So what better thing to do at night but surround yourself with people from Buffalo. And we all know that Buffalo is an amazing place to live and to come from and we we know what being from buffalo means and it's a very powerful connection that people have it's recognized if you tell people you're from buffalo and you're in the south they know the value of character that you that you possess and that that is the kind of thing that really made it fun that if there were two people or a hundred people together we would do fun things watch a movie or play music or do whatever it was again that was sort of like the modern youtube of today you know, and then I met some people as well on the online community. In fact, um, I still interact a lot with uh, Joe Buffalo Wins. He started his own blog. And, you know, I awesome. actually contacted him. I contacted him yesterday and I said, hey, do you remember BSN 360 back in the days? Well, I'm going to be talking tomorrow with him on the podcast. And I remember those days and how you guys interacted a little bit. You did your own thing. I got to know Joe a little bit. He was but he he really ran one of the first real you know, big blogs of the time. And that was his thing. It wasn't radio. It wasn't TV. I was radio TV. We kind of married that up a little bit as well. And, um, you know, we still talk a lot and interact a lot on Twitter. 
Yeah. And Joe, Joe's great. And his content was always great too. Mm -hmm. And it, it pained me that I couldn't, I could not give him the level of commitment to produce him in a way that would be effective that suited his style because like him and I would have fun and he'd want to do something with me uh, because he could command the audience with his conversation and his topics. And he did have a successful blog and he had the name and I just couldn't, I couldn't bring that uh, talent level to it. So here I am just kind of a producer, you know, messing around and producing things. And it always just kind of pained me that I couldn't raise my uh, time commitment and and otherwise just give him a platform that he deserved. So um, I know you don't do this kind of stuff anymore. Do you still like ever bump around and pay attention to what's going on in the um, in the tech world a little bit with that to see where this is all going and where it's landed? Do you ever kind of at least think about it and say, you know, take a step back and you know bump around yourself and look at it? I think the answer to your question is is absolutely no. Like I do not, um, I, I do not hang around in that arena mm-hmm. anymore. But one of the things that has been fascinating is as an observer watching the current state of political affairs as well as especially just my one of my passions now is is just a fitness nutritional aspect and it's not what people might think if they're listening to me talking about this right now and if you if you do follow me on twitter you're going to see certain you know very personal or not private um, information about supplements or or things like that or current political uh, topics. What I pay attention to is not really that on its face value. It's sort of like the interactions of people, the emotions of people and how they interact. And to me, that's fascinating. And I know that there's a lot of people that I probably lost as friends because they didn't understand the evolution of myself into kind of paying close attention to the inner workings of how people think. In other words, everything's become a team sport when Mm -hmm. it comes to nutrition. Uh, You know, there's, there's carbohydrate, this carbohydrate, that no carbohydrate, no carbohydrate, that. And then the politics is like, you're on this team or you're on that team. That's the part that fascinates me. So that sort of occupied my free time as far as social media and Twitter and things like that. But, but no, Definitely not doing anything in particular with the production or podcasting arena, although I do miss that. And I wish that there was some way to integrate content, but it's just extraordinarily different than it is than it was back then, because now there's just so much content to find. You really have to be something special to be any kind of a entertainment that people would tune to yeah. on a regular basis. It's funny through this entire pandemic that's going on, we've had to find ways to really create new content. And and I'll be honest with you, Sean, like I've made this comment to a few people and, and I kind of think about it. I get a little emotional and chills. Like I've reconnected with my creative side. I think I lost that for a while. Um, you know, I came to Buffalo and I was really gung ho and I did all this really, you know, I'm the new guy on the scene and the bills and all that kind of stuff. And that's been awesome. I love my life. I love my job and all that. But I think there was a little period there where I kind of settled into what I was doing. And this this pandemic has allowed me to be more creative and really tap back into some things that I think I lost in my life as far as my own creative side. And I'm starting to do them again, whether that's Zoom meetings, um, you know, the podcast that I'm doing, you being on this podcast, I really decided to kind of get back full, you know, jump head first in and say, I need to put stuff out there that people will really enjoy and stuff that other people aren't doing. So I think that has 
this situation has turned into a positive like that for me in that regard. Yeah, I've I've had an opportunity to reflect in a similar way. And I think during this time period, this confinement, it may just be something. Well, not only are we all going to remember what we were doing mm-hmm. during this time period, it's it's certainly quite remarkable in history. It's a historic moment that we're all confined to these spaces. But I, I too, have sort of reflected on a lot of things and and spent a good bit of time thinking back to the content that, that I've produced and been a part of in the community. And, you know, it's reinforced a lot of the things that I talked about, like the community aspect, the Buffalo aspect. Um, when you see the local news in Buffalo, you really truly can appreciate what it means to be a Buffalonian when you leave and you're gone for an extended period of time and you come back and, the level of community here is remarkable, and I don't know why this popped in my head just now, but as much as I remained anonymous, I had this really interesting experience one time. I was getting my hair cut after I, I was visiting back home in Buffalo for Christmas, and I was getting my hair cut, and I happened to talk about a hockey game or something, and the woman who's cutting my hair says, you wouldn't believe it, but we watched this guy on Justin TV. And it's the funniest thing. Like he has this microphone and he's playing music during the commercials. And like, it's all of a sudden, like we can't find him. And then my son, he's like really good with computers. It's like, he'll be able to find him like the next week. We just get a kick out of, we put it on the big screen and we watch it. And it's so amazing. And I just couldn't help, but right. Find myself at that crossroads of, um, do I want to remain anonymous? Do I want to tell her? Right. And I just remember saying, wow, it sounds like a lot of fun. What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> you never told her? I never told her. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. I'm, I'm totally the opposite. I'm like, yeah, that's me. That's me. You know what I mean? Like you and I are just cut from a different cloth. You've enjoyed the, well, you've enjoyed the I behind the scenes stuff and the producer type. I've enjoyed, I've always, I've always been it since you know, know me since we were young. I've always been the guy who needs to be in front of a camera. I mean, we used to do, you were one of the first people in your family. You had a, um, an actual video camera that you would, a home video camera. And I remember we would do fake shows and stories and you would like, I don't know, edit somehow. And we would make movies in your house. Like this is literally going back to the eighties. And early 90s, maybe when that stuff just did not happen with normal people in their homes. Yeah, it. I mean, radio has been in, in my blood and yes. in a lot of ways. And I've I've had you know the tentacles of that radio experience have have touched a lot of people and and pulled a lot of people together. And I think I've always just had like this creative side that maybe at that age was a little bit ahead of its time because you get this video camera and there's no such thing as video editing without spending an extraordinary amount of money. But I think you just touched on something I've really never thought about. And that is that, you know, I've always had ideas that were a little bit ahead of their time. And it's like the software now makes it so easy that if you and I were to, to go on YouTube, we could probably make a pretty remarkable thing. The only difference being, there'd be so many people doing exactly what we're doing. Now I've had people contact me, believe it or not, quite a bit who suggest that there needs to be more content because there's not enough Sabres content. There's not enough alternative points of view I definitely think there's still an unmet need. So if there's someone out there who, who's thinking about giving this a whirl, I strongly encourage you to give it a shot. Cause I know there's a lot of people that are just craving more and more content 
I mean, the stuff that people are listening to now is fantastic and it definitely fills a void, but there are so many unmet needs. So many people that are just looking for something different Mm -hmm. because they're listening to what they listen to, but then they want to just listen to more. And there's just not enough content, in my opinion. Now, you might tell me, well, it's kind of saturated. I don't know. But a lot of people are telling me that if you have any ability to talk about the Sabres in a meaningful way and and give some contrast to to what the mainstream is saying, that there's an opportunity out there. Well, people always like new voices. And, you know, in Buffalo, it's a very traditional market. Um, it's the same people they enjoy and they're used to a lot of the same people. When a new voice comes on the scene, a lot of times it's like, yeah, you're not like those old carmudgeon people we listen to all the time. They're just yeah. always negative. And, you know, that happens. That comes with the territory. I've experienced it. You know, I've seen it experience with other people. But, you know, I think that What's happening is some of these bigger companies like my company, for example, radio.com, intercom, you know, we're always looking for new platforms and new ways, you know, and for example, like we're trying, we're going to do some things maybe on draft night and, you know, how to interact with people on Facebook live or something like that. You know, we're doing these zoom conferences now, uh, myself and other media members. And these are the kinds of things that the companies have kind of taken the initiative of saying, we're going to use our talent in these ways and we're going to push it out there. And I, I think that's where a little bit of the change has come where maybe back in the day, the companies were more reluctant, like, come on, who are these rogue people doing this? Then they realized we have the people to do this. Well, let's give them the platform because we can control the content. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I listened to uh, a commentary, sports commentary, and I think that, the bigger companies are doing a pretty good job of, of sort of reaching out and trying new things because it throws me back to the early days when, whenever I see even just as simple as a remote, it's, it's different enough. And especially, you know, when it's talent driven and, and whoever's hosting the remote, I mean, if, if, if you go to a remote live broadcast of anything and you're surrounded in a different, you're not in a studio anymore, it's gotta be different for you. Right. It's got to be more fun to actually have the fans around. Yeah, for me, I mean, um, it is. It's kind of cool. It's, you know, uh, when I go places, when I'm asked to go places, first of all, I'm, all the time people are like, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? My company will come to me and, you know, I get paid to go to these places just to say hi to people sometimes and talk on the radio for two minutes right. and say that I'm there, which is amazing in its own right. But, yeah, if I go to a remote and I have a table set up and I'm talking and I'm on the radio and people come by, that is, it's, it's a, a different world, you know, you live in than, you know, just doing something in mom's basement, essentially, where you're just like, Hey, this is me. Come pay attention to me. I want to tell you about the bills. Yeah. And I think, I think from a fan perspective, you know, the, the people, maybe the unmet need is that certain people don't exactly know what they would enjoy. So it sort of sneaks up on them. And I think one of the things that might be the future now, if you want to reflect again back on this coronavirus thing, is things are going to be a lot different when we come out of this. Agreed. Agreed. And there's going to be a lot of new ideas that you and I can't even fathom and other people can't. And a lot of it might actually, I mean, with the the boom of the companies like Zoom and others doing the video casting, and you've mentioned it. Um, the sky's the limit. We might actually revert back a few years into a time when things were a little bit simpler and people started to slow down their lives and not be so distracted and get back to, to important engaging content and the things that matter, especially family. Yeah. And Sean, you know, I'll tell you, it's funny you say that I have said to people on the air that we're going to exactly what you said is right. I think 
you wait maybe three years from now, there's going to be some really popular person or people doing some things. And you're going to say, oh, you know when they got their start during the coronavirus pandemic because they were they found a creative way to connect to people. And now they're super big and everybody's following them or paying attention. I absolutely think that's going to happen. Yeah. And this this, you know, this isn't sports related in any way, shape or form unless you're you're looking to get break into something. But I think in general, people with their careers, take a moment, think about how this is like a great shuffle of the deck. Maybe you're really good at your job and you're pretty content with your job, but you want to just try something else that wouldn't hurt. There's a lot of people that lost jobs. Um, They'll get, they'll get jobs and there'll be different jobs. And a lot of them will be happy. Some will be disappointed, but those people that are disappointed will find other jobs. And there's going to be this time period when we get back and the economy gets back, people might just be able to find and get a job that they couldn't have possibly dreamed of as a result of this great shuffling of this this deck of cards and employment and corporations that will be looking for people to replace people that have moved on and, and gone elsewhere. It's it's kind of like the ultimate taking lemons and making lemonade. If you're If you're out there thinking that there's something that you wanted to try, something you wanted to do, Now's the time. There's not. There's, this is unprecedented. Nothing like this has ever happened, and maybe and hopefully will not happen again. But in our lifetimes, we haven't had something like this. No. And and just to wrap this thing up, because we're doing a podcast here. Like the podcasts are popular now, and I remember it's kind of like when you go back and you watch, um, like Bryant Gumble. There's an old YouTube clip of him saying what is the internet? Like, what is that thing? Like, yeah, right. And then there's people who say you could find, there's a Twitter account called old takes exposed, which is great. And it goes back and finds things people said that like, were totally wrong. And they tweeted out some things about the iPhone the other day where people were like, what is this iPhone? Like, come on, who's ever going to do this? Well, podcasting reminds me of that. When I first started podcasting, when Sam Kooten circling it back, came up with his idea and had this network. That's when people are like, what is a podcast? That's stupid. Like a guy in mom's basement. And now look what we're doing, Sean. Like everybody's podcasting. You're a part of this podcast. It's huge. If you don't have a podcast, you're kind of nobody in the electronic media world these days. And that's really what this whole thing has become is how you consume content. But people didn't realize how big these things would get. I, I have one question for you mm-hmm. and using your your own personal um, gravitation towards sports. Are you witnessing with, with your son and with your family and your neighborhood and others that you talk to that this could actually, let, let me ask you in a very generic way. Do you see the sports, local community sports and participation landscape changing? Because like, what are kids doing right now? Are they, are they going outside? Are they in their yard with, with dad throwing the ball around with, with mom? Well, I'm trying to with Max and we just, I just taught him how to play bocce the other day. We went outside and played bocce down at the, uh, at the street here, a little, some in a grassy area. And, um, we're doing that. And, you know, we try to get outside and we, when this first thing start, when this thing started, we went to Delaware park a few times, brought his lacrosse stick, brought baseball bat and ball. We would throw it's tougher now. You know, there's even more restriction restrictions going on. Uh, we were just out this morning throwing the football around, but I do think about that, which is 
you know, I'm trying to keep him active. I'm trying to keep him, you know, on point, if you will, doing the things he normally would do just in a different setting where I don't think a lot of kids necessarily will be able to do that. There might not be a lacrosse season. There might not be a little league season. And that's a whole season of these kids and their formative years not doing this. So I hope that, you know, some way, shape or form, someone in their family, their friends finds a way for them to do that. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fortunate, you know, he's been receptive to me saying, Hey, let's go outside. Let's do this. And um, I do think it's going to change. We'll see how it evolves, how it changes. I hope, I hope, Sean, that, but I fear this is going to happen. I hope it doesn't, that there's going to be a segment of kids that just don't play a sport maybe because they get a year off and go, oh, I found something else that I enjoy, which is fine if they find something else that they love. But, you know, I hope that the numbers don't dwindle because they steered another direction because they lost out on a season. Yeah, very well said. You know, um, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's been really fun. I hope that people got a good glimpse into what it was like back in that time and why you did what you did and maybe brought back some really cool memories for them. It's It's been a blast, Sal. And honestly, I don't think many people really can wrap their heads around how ahead of its time we were and how yep. ahead of its time you were. And I think this paints a picture of the evolution in a way like most people will have never heard of how you get from podcasting to being on your home station that you grew up listening to in the case of yourself and myself. And now you're it and you're where you are. And that evolution uh, was not easy. and It had its bumps and yes. along the way, but here you are. BSN 360. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you enjoyed the South Sports and Stuff podcast and come back for more. You can always find me on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, wherever you cast, wherever you podcast. Go to the iTunes store. Make sure you subscribe through WGR550.com. Either way, anytime a new episode drops, you'll be the first to know and you can listen to it. Thanks for joining me. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.